Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I am Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar. I found the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua, and I hope to communicate properly where I found this bread that others may find soul satisfaction in him. This episode, Trash Tongue Talker. You can credit the incredible, versatile musical talent Jack White for the title on this episode. Jack White, born John Anthony Gillis, came on the music scene in about 1997 with his then-wife, Meg White. Together they formed The White Stripes. They divorced in 2000, but they kept the band together. Does that sound weird to anyone else? They divorced in 2000, but they kept the band together. Okay. The White Stripes, actually, their popularity exploded in 2001 with their White Blood Cells album. Jack and Meg told everyone that they were siblings since they still shared the same last name and they didn't have to go into personal stories. That's exactly like Abraham and Sarah, only, you know, different. So Jack White has collaborated with everyone from Bob Dylan to Alicia Keys and Loretta Lynn. He's been all over the map. He's featured on a couple of James Bond soundtracks, which I would have known sooner if I watched some James Bond movies. Trash Tongue Talker features White's bluesy piano skills, and it comes off of his second solo album, Blunderbuss. But we better get on with the episode before you all start trash talking me, because it ain't about the music. It's about the message. Trash Tongue Talker. So as you may have guessed by the title, we are going to look at the importance of controlling our tongues and how followers of Messiah should conduct ourselves in word and deed. To be honest, I believe, Lord willing, there will be future episodes more on this topic. We're going to get a little bit centrally focused as we move in on, uh, on discussing our words and the power in the tongue. But some of, some of the scripture we will share is probably familiar to many of you, and we're also going to dig a little bit deeper to better understand the gravity of our words and how our speech must be placed under the authority of Messiah Yeshua. Yes. And when you think about that, we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah, right? The, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking kept captive every thought to the obedience of Messiah. And if our every thought is to be in the obedience of Messiah, what should our speech sound like? What should our words sound like? Wow, this got heavy already. Well, let's dig in and take a look at some scripture here. We'll start in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest of his lips, he is satisfied. Death and life are in the control of the tongue. Those who indulge in it will eat its fruit. Death and life in the power of the tongue or in the control of the tongue. Wow. Proverbs chapter 12, and we'll start at verse 17. A trustworthy witness tells what is right, but a false witness 
deceit. Reckless speech is like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue for only a moment. So we can see the Proverbs. And also, if you get time, make the time, dig into Proverbs chapter 10. Read the whole thing in its entirety. It's strong stuff regarding our words and how we use our tongue. The Psalms also speak of how one's words impact themselves and those around them. There are plenty of examples in there right now. Let's take a look at Psalm 55, starting at verse 2. Rescue me, Adonai, from the evil man. Protect me from the violent men who devise evil in their heart. Every day they stir up wars. They sharpen their tongue like a serpent's viper's venom is under their lips. The tongue can be a weapon or an implement of healing. And just to make sure we're on the same page here, I, I realize that the phrase words hurt has achieved this level of mockery as you know people have sought a safe space when reading or hearing something that contradicts their opinion, or they see the name, someone holding the, a sign with the name of a politician that they don't like, and so they need to find a safe space because they're feeling triggered. I'm not talking about any of that kind of speech. It, 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 humans will have differing opinions forever. So those aren't the words I'm addressing. And more importantly, that's not the kind of stuff that scripture addresses either. Nor am I saying that we cannot say words that might hurt someone's feelings. We are to speak the truth in love to one another. And sometimes that does hurt when you are faced with the truth. Our speech should be seasoned with grace when we do that. And when we address or challenge someone with the truth of the word of Adonai, if there is a contradiction in how they live and what the word of Adonai says, it should be for the purpose of calling people to repentance and restoration with the living God, period. That's what it should be about, is bringing someone to repentance and restoration. Remember, Galatians chapter 6. Yeah, you can read that later. So Proverbs 27 verses 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but excessive or deceitful, the kisses of an enemy. The wounds of a friend bring repentance and healing. We even read that, uh, you know, the word of God is compared to a sword in Hebrews 4, chapter 12, or I'm sorry, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing right through to a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. His word is sharper than a two-edged sword. We also read that his word is restorative. Remember this, the words have the power. They can be used like a weapon. They can be used to heal so we read that his word is restorative. After rebelling against Adonai, the people recognize that they've sinned. And we read in Psalm 107, verses 19 and 20, 
So they cried out to Adonai in their distress, and he delivered them out of their troubles. He sent his word and healed them and rescued them from their pits. Hallelujah. How good is God's word? The power of words are nowhere more evident than the words of God, Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, which are displayed throughout scripture. From the beginning, we see he speaks things into existence in Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we read that time and again. And God said, and then it was. By his word, he called things to be. Referring to Yeshua, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says, This son is the radiance of his glory and the imprint of his being, upholding all things by his powerful word. The word of Adonai Elohim is powerful. And as we know from John 1, Yeshua is the living word of Adonai. He is the word made flesh. Hallelujah. By his word, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, has laid nations to waste. The power of life and death is in the tongue. By the power of his word, Adonai Elohim the Lord our God calls things into existence. And again, he also can lay nations to waste with his word. Now, does this mean that we can create with our words or call things into being? No, I do not believe so. I do not believe, um, as it says in Romans 14, it says of God that he calls things that be not as though they are. And I do not believe that that is for people. Okay, not even for followers of Messiah Yeshua. I don't believe that that is uh, about us. That is speaking specifically about an attribute of God. So no, I don't believe that we call things into being as the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, orate it, generate it, verbalize it, capitalize it crowd teaches. No, I don't think that's correct. But our words have value, do have power, and carry weight. The ancient Israelites believed words actually had physical properties to them. From the Sirach, which is, it's an apocryphal writing, a deuteronical writing, the Sirach. And it's not canonized. Um, I believe you still can find it in the in Catholic Bibles, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, it's not, it's, it is not canonized as scripture, uh, but it is deemed as significant. And in there, uh, the 28th chapter uh, has a lot to say about the tongue. It's actually, if you get a chance, you can look that up online and read through that because there's, there's a lot in there. It's, it's good stuff and it aligns with what other we read of other scriptures. But here's uh, a couple of verses from there from this Sirach, which says from chapter 28, verses 17 and 18, a blow from a whip raises a welt, but a blow from the tongue will break bones. Many have fallen by the edge of the sword, but not as many as by the tongue. <clears throat> There's some strong stuff there for you. All right, now let's get back to the scriptures. Exodus chapter 17 and we'll start at verse 15. 
Anyone who strikes his father or mother must surely be put to death. Causing physical harm to someone's parents is punishable by death. We see that, right? And we're speaking now on the power of words. And we're talking about how, uh, referring back to that, that quote from the Sirach, a blow from a whip raises a welt, but a blow from the tongue will break bones. And many have fallen by the edge of the sword, but not as many by the tongue. So we read in Exodus, in the Torah, that anyone who strikes his father or mother must be put to death. Then jump down to verse 17. Whoever curses his father or his mother must surely be put to death. Oh, snickerdoodles. Yeah, that's what God's word says. See, we need to remember when, when scripture speaks of curses and cursing, it's not talking about using profanity or saying, you know, what we call swear words. It refers to speaking a curse, calling on a supernatural power, a deity, to bring harm, pain, or ruin on someone else. And so we see Hashem places significant value on words because just speaking those words on someone on your parents, your mother and your father, was, is cause for death, the death penalty. We see the same concept verbalized by Yeshua in Matthew chapter 5. Starting at verse 21. You have heard it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever commits murder shall be subject to judgment. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Racha, shall be subject to the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be subject to fiery Gehenna. Our words are important, especially when we are speaking about another person, a brother or a sister particularly. My opinion, when it comes to those of the faith, if they are behaving in a certain manner, what they're doing may be referred to as foolish, but we don't call them a fool. Proverbs says that the fool has said in his heart there is no God, and that he who refuses correction or rebuke is a, a fool and goes astray. So, Knowing that Yeshua specifically instructs us not to call a brother or sister fool, I believe that this word applies to those who, through their words or actions, say there is no God. That's where that word fool comes in and why we are warned not to refer to a brother or sister by that word. With regards to our brothers and sisters, Ephesians 4.29 tells us, that we're supposed to use our words to build one another up. No unwholesome word should come out of our mouths, but we're supposed to build one another up. So we need to be careful what we say. And remember, when we're talking again about the power of words, remember when Jacob deceived Isaac into giving him the blessing, which actually belonged to Esau? Isaac, this is the, this is the blessing Isaac spoke over Jacob. 
May God give you from the dew of the sky and from the fatness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May peoples serve you and may nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. That's Genesis 27 verses 28 and 29. So right after this, Esau comes in immediately because he's the one who should have gotten that blessing. So he comes in and he's like, wait, what? You gave the blessing to Jacob? Well, well, take it back. Take it back and give it to me. This is obviously not an exact quote. This is my own paraphrase. But, but Isaac could not. He couldn't give that blessing to Esau because it had been spoken over Jacob. He just spoke that Jacob's brother would serve him, that he would be a master over his brothers. He said that to Jacob. So you can't unring that bell. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's been said. It is out there. And this is where that speak to your own hurt and change not comes into play. We, we have to let our yes be yes and our no be no. You know, as, as the more modern saying goes, a man is only as good as his word. He spoke the blessing. Isaac spoke the blessing on Jacob and Jacob received it. And so often we try to play fast and loose with our words and, and, and try and play things off like, oh, I, I, I didn't really mean that when I said that, or I was just kidding. Or I didn't know. Well, wait a minute. I didn't have all the facts when I said that and made that commitment. R- remember a dude named Japheth? People don't like to talk about him too much. He's in the Hall of Faith, by the way, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. He vowed to Adonai that if he granted him victory in battle, that he would offer whatever came out of his house first as a burnt offering to the Lord. If If Adonai would give him that victory, he would make that offering a burnt offering to Adonai. Adonai led Japheth in victory. And when he got home, the first thing to come out of his house was his daughter. Yeah. For reals, yo. Two ears, one mouth. We should listen more than we speak, and we should really think before we speak. So let's go to James chapter 3, because I know some of y'all been waiting to get here. We're going to read... A fairly large portion of this, we're going to read the first 12 verses of James chapter 3. So please, if if you don't have your Bible in front of you, please just listen intently to the word of Adonai. And if you are reading along, please stay focused while you do read the word of Adonai. This is a powerful, powerful portion of scripture. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, since you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If someone does not stumble in speech, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. And if we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. 
See also the ships, though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot of the wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. See how so small a fire sets ablaze so great a forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of evil placed among our body parts. It pollutes the whole body and sets on fire the course of life and is set on fire by Gehenna. For every species of beasts and birds, reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Adonai and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the image of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be. A spring doesn't pour out fresh and bitter water from the same opening, does it? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water. That is James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. King Messiah's brother, James, he knew the importance of our words. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of evil placed among our body parts. It pollutes the whole body and sets on fire the course of life and is set on fire by Gehenna. And then in verse 9, we bless with it. The tongue, we bless Adonai and our father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the image of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. These things should not be. Children of God, what are we doing? And again, the, the, the tongue is so small a member. And if, as James says, if we are able to control it, the one who is able to control it is a perfect man because if you control that, the body follows as well. Just like the ship and just like the, the horse with a bit in its mouth, if we can control our tongues, our body will follow. Our actions will be there as well. I'll tell you that I, I do believe this applies to written words as well. Um, it's, it's certainly obvious, the spoken word, but I, I don't think that lets anyone off the hook for writing something. Uh, that that is wrong or that is cursing, uh, uh, you know, a person who is made in the image and likeness of God. You know, being caught up in a social media psychosis is no excuse for letting our guard down, for removing our thoughts from the captivity of Messiah and taking control in our own flesh and in our own strength. But somehow... We've convinced ourselves that if someone says something derogatory about us or about our opinion, about our politics, or even about our faith, that we're supposed to return insult for insult because they started it. What am I supposed to do? Just let them say what they want about me all the time and not fight back, not defend myself? First Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 9. 
Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. It is for this reason you were called, so that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who loves life, wanting to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek shalom and pursue it. For the eyes of Adonai are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of Adonai is against those who do evil. We need to remember, vengeance belongs to Adonai. Vengeance is the Lord's. It is not ours to exact. We are to love our enemies. We're to pray for those who persecute us. And I know that it's not easy particularly in our own strength. But when we walk continuously with Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, we will act according to his will. When we walk with him continuously. Some challenging words spoken by Yeshua in Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree rotten and its fruit rotten. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man from his good treasury brings forth good. And the evil man from his evil treasury brings forth evil. But I tell you that on the day of judgment... Men will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. The good man from his good treasury brings forth good. And the evil man from his evil treasury brings forth evil. What overflows from the treasury of your heart? By your words you will be justified and condemned. The good tree brings good fruit. The rotten tree, rotten fruit. Death and life are in the control of the tongue and those who indulge in it eat its fruit. What is the fruit? Derek Prince tells of his time working in medicine um, and there was a Scottish medic working with him. And as this medic would make his rounds, he would ask each patient, how are you? Let me see your tongue. He asked that just time and again. He went down the whole row. How are you? Let me see your tongue. How are you? Let me see your tongue. The tongue revealed the health of the person. And the same is true of us using our tongue for words. It reveals our health. It reveals how we are and our spiritual health. In the book, Taming the Tongue by Mark S. Kinzer, uh, the author points out, Scripture teaches against all verbal aggression. And that is defined as speech used to harm another. So he lists five primary types of verbal aggression. There is cursing, which is calling upon a supernatural power to bring harm on someone, reviling, which is insulting or verbal abuse, guile, which is deceitful and misleading words to cloak maliciousness, 
bearing false witness, which is testifying falsely to harm another person. And the fifth is slander, speaking evil of another, usually to third parties. So this includes gossip. Slander is the most frequent type of verbal aggression addressed in the scriptures. And we need to better understand the meaning of this word from the biblical definition. Because the modern English definition is the utterance of fake charges, misrepresentations, which defame or damage another's reputation. The biblical definition focuses less on whether the charges are true or false. It focuses on the appropriateness of making the statement in the first place. Now, there are three Greek words for slander that are found in the scriptures. And the first is speaking, uh, the definition of it is speaking against someone without authority or making personal accusations, the nature of with disgraces another. So that's one definition. The other two words for slander in Greek, you are, you're not going to like this. This is mind-blowing here. But the words are diablos. Yes, that's one of the Greek words for slander, diablos. And that is where we get the English word devil. So whose language do we speak when we slander? Yeah. The other word, blasphemia. Yes, that's where the word blasphemy comes from. And blasphemia does not only mean speaking badly of God, but slandering or speaking badly of someone questioning their and questioning their righteousness. So, wow. I don't know about you, but this adds more weight on how careful I need to be with my words. And... Maybe mom was right all along. If you don't have something nice and nice to say, don't say anything at all. So Kinzer, Kinzer also points out in this book um, the, the decree against the generation in the wilderness when they were told that they wouldn't enter the promised land, they will not enter my rest. That decree was sealed by the tendency of the people to slander. Think about what they said about Moses and Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. Did he bring us into the wilderness to die? Why did he bring us out here? We had it so good in Egypt. And this constant questioning of the righteousness of Moses and Adonai in, in bringing them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Slander, slander, and more slander. And that is what sealed the decree that they would not enter. That generation would not enter the promised land. And also, let's not forget Miriam and Aaron. That's Moses's sister and brother. They started trash talking Moses. They didn't like that he married a Cushite woman, a woman who was from outside of the tribes. She was a foreigner. And tradition holds that his wife, Zipporah, did not learn to speak Hebrew very well, and she asserted herself as an authority because she was Moses' wife. And so that was, that was held against her and against Moses as well. That's according to tradition. But then, in addition to that, Miriam and Aaron were like, hey, we hear from Adonai as well. I mean, 
you've been his mouthpiece, Aaron, because Moses didn't want to speak for himself. He didn't want to do all, do the talking. So you've been his mouthpiece. And how about how I prophesied and even how I harmonized on the other side of the Red Sea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slander. And yes, that was me paraphrasing again. Those are not actual quotes. But but it's slander. They, they were slandering their brother. And Adonai calls them out for it. He called them into the tent of meeting. All three of you get in here right now. And Miriam, Miriam ends up with leprosy out of the deal. Just consider this as well. Have you ever started a new job? And a coworker shows you around, introduces you to people, takes you around to the different departments. And then in between, as you're walking, as you're out, get out of earshot of people, kind of fills you in on some background info. Yeah, don't trust that guy. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't want you don't want him to be your partner. I just, uh, you know, when you're doing work, I, I guarantee you that. Or, you know, that guy, oh yeah, that guy over there, he's so incompetent. Just stay away from him. Oh, anything she hears? Yeah, that goes right to the boss. So just be careful what you say around her, okay? All that stuff is slander. And you begin to form an opinion before ever getting to know those individuals at all. You're not giving them a chance. You don't know what this guy's motive is or isn't. He probably puts himself off as trying to help you out, just trying to give you a little inside scoop here. This is what's going on. Who knows what his motives are or her motives if it's if it's a female taking you around. But we begin to form opinions right away without doing our own research, without getting to know those individuals at all. And that ain't right. We need to check ourselves before our words wreck ourselves. We, we need to stop asking ourselves, well, why shouldn't I say it? I can say this. Why shouldn't I? Start asking ourselves, why should I say this? What is the benefit of this? What is the point of it? Is it going to build the person up, the person whom I'm speaking about? Will it build that person up? Is my speech seasoned with grace? Am I trying to lead the person to repentance before the Lord? And restoring that relationship, is that my goal? Are my words going to do that? Am I just trying to feel better about myself by pointing out flaws in another? If you want to find flaws, all you have to do is grab a mirror, folks. Most important, use the mirror of the word of Adonai because it doesn't just reflect our flaws and leave us feeling helpless. It doesn't just reflect our shortcomings. The word of Adonai is the mirror that reflects who we should be. It reflects how we should look and how we should live. And yes, we can see our shortcomings in it, but we can see in Messiah Yeshua who we are to be and we can work on those things. Please. Let us consider our speech and what we say about one another to one another. My wife and I really try to adhere to the saying, don't have someone for lunch if you didn't invite them. If you see sin in someone's life or, or things that you believe are inconsistent with God's word, the first thing is talk to God about the situation and dig into his word. Pray for the person and seek God's word for direction on it. Give that those individuals or that individual to 
Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, in prayer. And once you have spoken to God, there's really no need to drag anyone else into the conversation. Next, speak to the individual in private. Pull the person aside and have the conversation in private. If it is a matter of sin, if it is an issue of sin, someone willingly sinning and not wanting to repent, and your conversation doesn't work, it doesn't lead them to repentance, then you get church leadership involved. That's how it's supposed to work. Personally, I believe that most slander done by Christians isn't necessarily about sin. It's more about opinions and personal preferences. But either way, either way, it's wrong. And those conversations should not be had. Psalm 140 and verse 12 says, May a slanderer not endure in the land. May calamity hunt down a violent man. There is so much in the scriptures about slandering and about how we are supposed to speak and how we are not supposed to speak about our brothers and sisters. Men and women created in the image of God. May we bless Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, with our tongue, and may we bless men and women created in the image and likeness of God. And yes, again, that blessing them may be challenging them with the word of God. It may be a difficult situation, a difficult conversation, but it's with that individual, not behind their back, not taking score with, with your other friends. Anyway, I, I believe the scriptures, the Torah of Hashem speaks strongly about our words for a reason. And I believe Yeshua reinforced the words of the Torah in Matthew 5, as well as in the Matthew 12 passage, which we read. But I tell you that on the day of judgment, men will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Because those who declare themselves his disciples, his followers, are not to engage in curses, reviling, guile, bearing false witness, and slander. And that is, he wants his followers to speak properly, to speak words of life. We are to walk as he walked and to talk as he talked. Yes, leading people to repentance, restoration with the grace, the mercy, the love, and the justice of the living God. And some of you will note that we, in this episode, we did not discuss profanity. That's not because I don't think it, it, it matters, okay? I do believe, I know it matters. But I tried to stay on point here regarding um, our words and speech particularly focused on when we're speaking of others. But to be clear, no. We are not to let unwholesome words come out of our mouths. We are a set-apart people by Adonai Elohim. And we should our speech should reflect that. We should glorify him in word and in deed. And if we truly want people to trust us to pray for their needs and be willing to confess sin to us, we need to tame our tongues because 
you may be a mighty intercessor before Adonai Elohim, but if I hear you running your mouth about other people behind their back, I'll never trust you with my stuff. I'll never be vulnerable before you because I have to assume you're going to treat my issues with the same disregard as you do others. Man, they're willing to talk about that person's stuff to other people behind their back. I'm not telling them anything. I don't care how great of a prayer warrior you are. You're not getting my stuff because you slander other people. All right. So let's get before God and lay it all before him. And again, a reminder, read through Proverbs chapter 10. Read through that whole proverb. It's very good. Very strong stuff in there. So I hope that this has blessed you and that it has challenged you. I am just a beggar. I found the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua, and I want every other beggar on earth to know where I found this bread. So let's go out and give them heaven. Watch your mouth. Shalom. Shalom.